Hello and welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Matthias. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I want to be the all-time number one uh, bestsellers of, of forever. However, we've actually never finished the story. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a challenge. Each week we sit down. Our goal is to write a complete short story using three of four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read the stories, we talk about what we learned in writing them, and then we talk about stories sent in by you listeners. Exactamundo. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. Doof, doof Media, media production. production. Excellent. Yes. Woof. Wow. Woof. So, here we you, are. You, you nailed the, you, you know that first, that, that explanation line the first time this time. I'm very yeah, proud of you. thank you, thank you. Uh, I decided to not second guess myself because uh-huh. that second guessing makes me kind of switch it up. Uh, mm-hmm. So I just kind of went with what my heart was saying. That's, I'm so. so I'm so proud of your heart because your heart must have read the script. Um, I know my, my heart definitely read. That's the very script impressive. Right before we recorded. <laughs> um, so how's it doing, guys? Uh, guys and gals and 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 NBs and everyone else who doesn't identify by the any of those. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, same, same. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, overall, it's it, it's it, it's doing pretty good. You know, uh-huh. uh, I don't know if I've spoken about this on uh, previous pods, but I am back home now, uh, not not permanently, uh, only for a temporary stay. I'm currently helping my mother move, which is the rightful duty of a son. That's like mm-hmm. one of our four different uh, duties as an right. L son. Um, yeah. So it's that's part of um, filial piety, except mm, is exactly. filial piety to your father or just to your parents? I don't actually know. Uh, it's like the the duty you have to pay to. It's like a it's a Chinese concept. Anyway, um, yeah. So this week is your week, Jarvis. You wrote you wrote a story this week. Um, uh, so the words yeah. this week were permanent head insight and creation. So Jarvis, which ones did you use this week? I love I I use all of them besides permanent. Uh, mostly because it just couldn't really find a place within my story. Uh, my story for this week, I was really trying to try something co- completely different. Using a different tone, I even tried my hand at implementing music in text, which I'm mm-hmm. not totally sure how that did come across, but we will definitely be able to talk about that further uh, after I get into my story. Hell Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's just go ahead and go. All right. So the title of this one is Untitled. Kana, my sweet, I'm writing to you at Journey's beginning, pleading for forgiveness and upholding the promises of our matrimony. We wept when we could not protect our people, allowing their passing to not be by God's hand, but the calloused arts of invaders. To this, I hope our efforts to soothe our betrayal could be accepted as an apology for false hopes. For we few left in camp will brave Tetzio's mountain, traverse her caverns, and travel to hell and back for our people's wayward souls, stolen by the rogue shaman. If Homestead will stand till your return, I cannot promise. To that I am sorry. But the reunity of our people will bring us a new home, whether beyond Tetzio or along the river. Our people have always done our best to make do. And here we promise once more to nevermore let our people die to foreign hands. I wish I could tell you we had the manpower to topple Tetzio, but little more than a hunting party of four remained in our homestead. Our Immovable shaman, aged such as wine, witnessed the horrors of the raid. By his hut, defaced by pagan markings, the lone survivor wept twelve tears for each fallen. He proclaimed, our peaceful woodland home, covered in mountain snow and oak wood dew, befell an eastward assault of fourteen men, twenty women, and two green-eyed golems. Their intent was to destroy our way of life, so the men took their sticks to poison the waters. The women rotted our wounds, and the golem feasted on our storehouse, 
ravaged our crops and called upon the sun's wrath to level our home. As to how he survived, he could not say. By God's will, we speculated. Little time we spent at home, and our burned plateau visible from the sky. For as our teaching told, we had few lunar cycles to retrieve our people. So our soul-hunting party never parted from their spears. The shaman readied minerals, and the last of the livestock, a lamb too young to be separated from its mother's teat. And two mothers, whose households were barren, brought hide shields and two kuba axes each. I parted ways from my farming duty, for nothing was left to yield crop, and brought our family Ngobi blade and this journal up to the ill-charted north-facing path, whose winded roads and faulted forks progress further into mythics. She listened to all things, our mother nature, Cursed to witness atrocities and blessings alike, her silent tears that fell before any life was lost would dampen our path. The forest finally welcomed to us, switching her winds to turbulate the buzzard's flight, propagated enough foxes to subside the carnivorous gluttony of hostile vegetation. Her efforts even revealed hidden paths before us, Treacherous uphill battles, once thought necessary, now have their tree-like exceptions. Hishnas crackled in the air, their streams marking green treetops with deep scratches, breadcrumbs for our journey. For the tale told of Hishnas' attraction to the darker magics, and darker it got, as oaks and cypress conjoined their branches to a canopy thickened by fungal overgrowth. At forks and rocky paths that jettisoned out from the main, our shaman reached into the folds of his robbery to sprinkle dusted cavern crystals, those of which populate our forest, along the trickster paths. If its hue glue green, it led to light and goodness. But red spoke more volumes. Red told us violence along the path that of which blades and staffs were little more than sticks and leaves, all paths glue red, which, for the purposes of our journey, was a good thing. So we followed the ill-charted paths through wolf dens and graveyard effigies, places only the dead wished to walk. Mother was watching, and put a slumberous hex on those timber wolves protected our souls from the blackened gaze of effigies present. To the shock of our shaman, we lost no numbers in the woods, which placed our shaman in the mood for entertainment. Tapping his staff in a basic tempo, he hummed along his favorite spirituals. As the men batted their shields steady, and mothers spat the lyrics. They were your favorites, the ones that go... In her light the sun do shine, he a he a my. Crops need fed and stock to water, he a he a my. But the chief who took your daughter, he a he a my. Has plans for her we shall not utter, he a he a my. Gather your brothers and bring the cutter, he a he a my. From dusk to dawn and rain we ride, he a he a my. For his head there's no disguise, he a he a my. We hoop and holler before the slaughter, he a he a my. Ready his troops, a coward's try, he a he a my. Only fools don't plan to die, he a he a my. To the day we sang, as merry as we could. To all paths converged on stone steps, soaked in brush, that escalated the mountain to a cove, hidden from view. This section of the forest was worked on. Stone was embedded in the dirt, made into a circle, surrounded by trees fractured by thunder. The path stopped at a dark hole in Tetstio, a perfect circle with opaque depth, as if the mountain's sole eye towards the world, covered in purple moss, common to underground caverns and smoldering lakes. Two of our numbers, a young hunter and his partner, attempted an advance on the hole, but our shaman extended his staff, 
halting their approach, and released the lamb who so patiently traveled with us. The little thing was lost, needed a push before setting its senses on the sweet smells bubbling from the hole. He only made ten paces before... The spear appeared before it was heard, impaling the lamb through the stomach from left to right, with enough force to dangle his hind legs in the sky. The spear's serrated edge opened the lamb, the darkest of blood flowing down its neck to blade. The shaman's calm spread to the hunting party, half of us seeing little action outside of the occasional buffalo. From where the spear came, between two trees and olive bushes, a creation of seven foot, red eyes and bone armor of human and bull, entered our circle. Its shape was like us, but stunk of bile, was an unnatural black, huffed like a beast, and gazed at us through long horns and rotten flesh, ill-picked off the skull. Seventeen men could barely hold back one of its six arms, and bands round each told a history of these woods, of tribes long past, our people never came to know. But it wasn't interested in us. The creation went to its spear, rubbed two fingers, blackened by hell, along the blooded blade. The hand rose to its skull. The creation sniffed and exclaimed, Unblemished before grabbing the lamb's neck and walking off to his nook without any regard for the entrails left behind. It was safe to proceed. We wandered the dark for hours. The hole was no cave, but the open void of Tetstio. Eventually, faint light lingered us forward, our steps breaking to a room with definition. The room was small and rounded at the top. A deep pit with continuous flame roared in the middle, sending licks of embers towards our very presence. The walls were plain stone, sanded down to show no indentation. Across the flame was a section of rock, not unlike the sharp translucent rocky spikes that jettison out of inner cavern spaces. It was a collection of it, smooth solid in a slab that was reflective to light. I saw you, if not for a moment, in the crystal rock that showed my image. Your eyes were closed, pale skin and blue lips. A full conceit life has left you. But the shaman saw nothing but a hoax. Watch and see. Tetsio's trick. The rock shows your love. Next to you in loss. Beckons you forward, no? Touch it, she wants. To impart your soul for theirs. But this is nothing but a fox's offer to rabbits. Our god has given us a way to not fall gullibly into mystics. He then disrobed and placed his hand over the fire. To hell and back we ride, till rain washes our transgressions. For our love and our people, we trade nothing but time. He jumped in. In the wake of his mass, the flames flexed satisfaction which subsided shortly after, hungered once more by six eagers. Kana, I have to tell you, in that moment I question our journey's worth. Would you want to come back? For our way would always be met with threat. If I turned from this place without succumbing to the flame, would the creation outside bludgeon me? The shaman's insight was to jump in the flame and follow suit everyone did but me. Would it be weakness to value my soul, for fire burns all deeper than skin? But then I saw the rosy in your cheeks, those nimble hands I held in the meadow before our entanglement, the mouth that sang to me when the dim darkies whispered. A soul was worth that. To commune with the dead, one must be dead. So I made good on my promises of our matrimony and connected with the fire. Okay, a fantastic story, Jarvis. I really, really enjoyed this one. So uh, in this one, you kind of have a uh, meandering journey away from this this burned homeland, and you kind of outline sort of the 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 culture and world as we as we go through. I especially like the song right there in the middle, um, mm-hmm. which 
I, like I, I could sing it to myself and then actually like I could imagine how it sounded like, which was really nice. Uh, and it sort of gives you an insight on what these people are like. Yeah. Uh, and uh, thank you very much. I know when it came to working with that song, that was the first idea I really had going in, going into the story. So the beginning for me was just trying to get to that middle of the road journey where, mm-hmm. where um, you know, songs like, like that would probably come up. Um, and I was actually very surprised when it came to writing it to where I didn't really put a whole lot of thought into it. Uh, it felt very natural, I guess, mm-hmm. writing it, which I found kind of strange because when it comes to writing lyrics or like any sort of poetry, uh, it's always like a day long task. But mm-hmm. for this, it was, uh, it was fairly quick. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and then I know after that, uh, it was simply just trying to fill out what I set up in uh, in the beginning and bring it to a conclusion, which right. I, I, I personally feel as the story went on, a lot of the tone that, that I was setting up and the purpose was kind of lost. But, you know, I would like to, to see what you thought about it. Yeah, I actually like the, the ending. Uh, I found the ending more significant than the beginning even mm-hmm. uh, because the, okay. the beginning is very is much more like focused on a, a particular kind of like very set reality, which is this particular attack. And But as we go through, it gets more mystical and metaphorical and uh, just more thematic in general. And so finishing on this sort of like diving into the fire sort of thing, uh, I think it to me, it felt much more significant than the beginning. So actually, I'm really glad that you ended in this particular location. Yeah, uh, I think the biggest thing that really helped me come up with that beginning is my is the very first paragraph uh, because I have been trying to at least come up with more frames when it comes to to what I write right whether that mm-hmm. makes its way in to the story or or not you know that's definitely something that will go on the chopping block in a second edit but I think within this story it definitely helped because it gave it a direction right it kind of set up what this world is, and the whole purpose of these people moving through this forest. Uh, And the mention in that of this mountain kind of, as I was writing it, brought about a whole bunch of different possibilities for what is within this Mm -hmm. mountain. Um, So yeah, I would say that, that with this story, one of its biggest benefits is that as soon as the ball started rolling, I just continued along that path until i got to the conclusion so yeah i think it worked out very well for me yeah i think so too what do you think is the the message you were going for near the end there so near the end i was kind of going for this idea that there is this cross-section between faith and reality right and as they dive further within to this within to this mystical cave uh that is when this Faith itself is kind of attacking reality because common sense would tell us to not jump in to the fire. And also, as soon as the shaman does jump in, there is no clear proof that he just didn't die. Right. Mm -hmm. So so the whole story for me was kind of leading up to that leap of faith. But for the main character, that leap of faith was supported by his love for his wife. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to create this story that resides between a love story a mythical tale while also kind of creating this own world that i built so yeah mm-hmm. i mean i i i feel that on a uh, on a second run i can work a, a a lot more onto exactly what the message or the purpose of this piece is but for now i think it's a solid outline yeah i I think so too i really like this last ending at the very end here to commune with the dead one must be dead so i made good on my promises of our matrimony and connected with the fire which is tells us without just straight up just giving us an image what the last uh action is and it's said in this uh really pretty way where it shows us the 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 thought process but also yeah some of those themes but all throughout i really enjoyed just just kind of the the ambiance and the vibe it was very like cross between greek myth and uh i actually i I don't know what what my other connection is or at least i don't know how to phrase it (laughs) so it's like greek myth (laughs) well it's like greek myth 
except different. Uh, except mm-hmm. like a whole community rather than like an individual hero, I guess is the main difference. Um, yeah, I- yeah. Because I know as I was writing it, I really didn't want the main character to, I guess, be the typical main character, right? Right, the like, main protagonist. Yeah, like uh, in the uh, in the beginning, I I basically set up that he was a farmer. And apparently a farmer that went out with this hunting party, right? And and throughout the the main character is more so this shaman, this mm-hmm. leader of their spirituality. And then as we kind of follow him and and certain things, he seems to always be right. Uh, so yeah, I was trying to build a sense of this of this community instead of it being solely on the shoulders of, of one person. Uh, right. And I am glad that that really did come across. Yeah, uh, it's so uh, you can always separate the protagonist and main character. That your your main viewpoint character, right, is whoever you're you're seeing the story through. But the protagonist is always the one just driving the action. And yeah, the the shaman is definitely the one doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I particularly like this moment uh, with the the lamb and the the monster thing because I, I thought they were kind of like confronting the the tribe that had attacked them and instead it was something entirely different and it was yes. done in this like actually like surprising and, and violent way um, like that spear going through the lamb and like sticking to the ground like I <laughs> uh, I could sort of <laughs> feel that impact there and and really see it uh, yeah it was very visceral isn't quite the word but it's like it had like an an impact for sure yeah and uh in that moment i was hoping that it changed the tone right Mm -hmm. because up until that point beyond the raid in the beginning it's been more so of a journey that's that's building up the feel of this world like i uh added the part about the air crackling right and uh, how there are these apparently large birds in the skies, and then there are these plants within this forest that that eat flesh and uh, certain things like that. Mm-hmm. And I know for that middle part, I was really trying to build this kind of mystic world that is similar to ours, but is definitely outside of our normal reality. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it definitely fits that where it, it feels like... Well, it feels like some sort of reflection of yeah of our world. Uh, there's a couple mm-hmm. of things. So I did. So one little thing I didn't realize that the uh, plants were actually carnivorous. I just thought it was a metaphor. So mm-hmm. okay. there's like little bits like that where because you do use a lot of metaphor and a lot of figurative language when you are using it literally to mean something fantastical. Sometimes it's it's difficult to tell the difference. I don't actually know uh, exactly how you would differentiate that other than like being more concrete when you're talking about a concrete reality thing maybe like show an example of it actually eating someone or mm-hmm. um you know tell us that they had to make sure the land doesn't get close so it didn't get consumed or something like that yeah and i mean that was definitely part of the challenge of of writing this because because at, at first i did set out to write in a more metaphorical sense you know, so so a lot of things aren't as literal as in other things that I have written. And I'm still trying to find that that balance when I do want to talk about something that is specific uh, within a more metaphorical paragraph. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's just something that I know on a uh, on a second run, I will work a lot more with either that or just making it all just a giant metaphor. You know, so yeah. I don't know. I think the biggest benefit of of me writing this is that I was able to step completely outside of something that I was that I was very comfortable with. And yeah, I mean, I found it very enjoyable and I am very glad that most of what was happening wasn't lost in that attempt, because that is something that I'm always really scared of when I'm trying out a, a new tone or a new voice is that is is that is this voice going to pick up as my previous voices do and i'm glad that mm-hmm. it did yeah it's something i'm definitely going to say is that this definitely sounds different from uh weekend city and your other like <laughs> noir uh sort of voice tones so that's a nice refreshing little change yeah definitely uh and i know that uh, on a second draft i would definitely try to 
make whatever branch of tribalism they are a part of more concrete because uh, because some of the things that are within this this uh, story are basically pulling from a lot of African tribalism mm-hmm. but yeah. it's not fully that you know and then there right. is this sense of thology when it comes to the mountain and then there is this uh, seven foot creature that that in my mind harkens to a lot of um, the uh, native tribalism right so sure. I th- so I think that one thing that I was trying to really wrestle with was what branch of tribalism that I wanted to to be, or was it this nice melting pot of uh, all of them to kind of create its own brand? So yeah, well, uh, I think that's very very interesting. What do you think that you learned from writing this piece? What I learned in writing this is that when it comes to jumping into something that is different from what I'm used to. I need to go at it with a lot more confidence than I have in the past because I know mm-hmm. with with this, um, if if I was the writer that I was a year ago, I would never try to put in any sort of song in it. Right? Mm-hmm. I first of all wouldn't know how to to do it, and I'll be too scared of a. Uh, of it being either criticized or it just not coming across. And I think that was a huge benefit when it came to writing this story is that I I went in without having those reservations. And I think that definitely made the story so much better. So I feel that yeah. is definitely something that I will take with me when it comes to working on other things is that I need to focus on trying to execute my vision Instead of focusing on its reception. And, and I think, you know, it, as always, experimenting is really, really important. So even if you mm-hmm. swing and miss, right, at least you know how to, that you need to aim higher or lower or whatnot. Exactly. To a exactly. So, uh, this, so this could be a swing and a miss, or maybe it's well, just a foul ball. Right. I I would say that it's a bunt. It's a bunt. Okay. You know what? Well, no. Actually, I'll, no. That I, I think that, that would imply that would imply that it was like low effort. I think. No. Uh. Yeah. Foul ball. Mm. Little, yeah. I think that might be a better, foul yeah. ball. Yeah. Like I mean, I like swung it and I hit it, but it's not there yet. It is not there yet. But I know how to hit the ball, and that's where yeah. it starts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. So specifically, is. Is there anything that you haven't already mentioned that you would go back and change on a revision? On a revision, I would work a lot more with the beginning because reading it back, it really feels like this is where the ball is like starting to be rolled, right? There's this, yeah, there is this really steep kind of startup uh, when it comes to actually starting this, this story. And I feel that if I worked a lot more on these characters within this burnt village uh i can also strengthen a lot of the uh, characters because really the only ones that really matter here are the shaman and the main character and the main character barely matters right so Mm -hmm. i think to build up that sense of community i need to put a lot more effort in to the other characters so that mm-hmm. they have a stronger impact on the story. Uh, and then mm-hmm. towards the ending, I think it's very solid. I just need to kind of touch up on that. Uh, so yeah, yeah, those are things that would change. For sure. That sounds great. Uh, anything else we need to mention before we move on? Um, not at all. But one thing that I do have to mention before we move on is that we are about to move on to our listener submitted section, <laughs> which means... That we are going to, to spoil these stories that we are going to talk about a lot. I'm, we're going to talk about them. I mean, we're going to talk, talk about them, right? So I would uh-huh. recommend to you, listener one and two, to stop right now. Pause this, this podcast and go and listen to the stories we are going to talk right, about. Go, go, go read them in, in, like in a second because we're going to tell you what, which ones. I mean, go read all of them, but if you're gonna, if you're only gonna read a couple, yeah. Mundo. and the stories that we are going to be talking about this week are by Zakatigi, No Goodbye, Kippos Twenty One, Kalaniro Nine Eight Five, and It's All Uphill. That's right. Um, all right, let's get into it. Exactly, let's get into it, and we will start with Zakatigi. 
with there is a howling in the walls. Ooh, spooky. Uh, yeah, so this is an, an interesting story here. Uh, the first line uh, repeats the title. There's a howling in the walls and Heather can hear it when she sleeps. Uh, Which I really liked, personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a nice, like, ominous opening. Basically, Heather has been hearing this howling, and she basically, one by one, runs through all of the possible reasons that she could be hearing this howling and eliminates them. So the it's not actually the wind outside, because the, the walls are solid and firm, and the foundation's good. Uh, it's not that it's in her head. It's not any rodents or anything. There's no mice in the building it's not in her head she's gone to uh, a doctor and they tell her that she's fine and uh, the ther therapy isn't helping her not find it anymore so she goes home and she's just basically just trying to ignore it until finally uh, she realizes that the walls are now moving and she realizes her mistake. Uh, and this is really great tension building throughout as we echo over and over that these th these walls are, are firm and that this howling just continues on and on until finally she can start to pick out voices or, or words maybe. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's like infiltrated her dreams. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty Lovecraftian. Oh, very. And I like really liked how a lot of this horror is kind of slowly placed throughout, right? Because because in the beginning, it starts from a place that is, that is definitely very creepy, but then it goes to the normal reality that, that we are used to. But as that is happening, we are giving more and more tidbits that something just isn't quite right. So yeah. I think that this story is really greatly constructed. Um, and beyond... Anything else, I think, is that it was definitely well well written. And now, after reading it, I am wondering, why is the wall moving? So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really great entry. I think uh, this could be the, be the beginning of a longer story or even something that stands alone by itself. So, yeah, I, I really mm -hmm. liked it. Yeah, I thought it was deliciously spooky. Um, deliciously spooky. <laughs> yeah, it, and, yeah, the only thing I wanted to know is just a little bit more hint about what it means that the walls are moving. Not necessarily mm -hmm. that we need to see everything that's happening, but just a glimmer of, like, is it, like, alive and going to consume her? Or yeah. is it... Or is it in her head? Or is there something else within the walls about to come out? or whatever else i mean i don't i don't think it's in her head um and i don't really need to to have it like very ambiguous like i think uh -huh. i think it being definitely not in her head is uh, as good as an ending as as any other um but yeah it would just been nice to to get a little bit more hint of like what kind of threat this is yeah definitely definitely so the next story is called built to last by kelanero 985 mm -hmm. uh, so this is uh, also really really fun we open up in this uh gnomish airship as our main character jean uh is working on well she's working on a bomb but that's what just gnomes do uh, she's working inside this this airship in this like bubble of controlled space just to make sure that she you know doesn't accidentally set off a bomb uh, and so she's uh, completely ignoring, you know, any distractions until uh, Toulouse comes in. And over time, we kind of understand that he's the, the leader of this particular uh, city-sized gnomish airship uh, coming to tell her that one of the engines has blown and that there is an elven warship on the horizon, basically. And so they have to rush and we get a lot of world building on exactly what's going on here. The elves, mm -hmm. um, the immortal elven empire have, you know, continuously expanded and basically devastated the gnomish lands and gnomes, burned their own land just to make sure that the elves wouldn't have it and took to the skies. But it's not, it, they are lasting, but they're slowly getting whittled down as they run out of resources. Uh, so uh, the, the elven worship on the horizon is uh, then... Uh, starts building up basically a giant wizard laser blast and uh, Jean is able to uh, fix the engine uh, just a little bit before it gets fired but too early to see if it's enough uh, but very very luckily it's only a glancing blow they lose a bunch of armor a bunch of metal but they are able to escape um, but we kind of understand that they're slowly getting whittled down and that things are not super bright for the future. And this is why that she builds bombs. Mm -hmm. 
So I think this this story has fantastic world building. Uh, the world building definitely takes the uh, center stage because we're being because we're being thrown in uh, to this world that has kind of different roles. You know, like these elves aren't the elves that we're used to, and uh, these gnomes are similar to to what we are really used to when it comes to to gnomes. But yeah, I think that overall uh, the the prose is is really great we we get a really strong sense of of who our main character is and exactly why she does build bombs so really i am i'm definitely looking forward to what will come after this after this massive assault right so yeah really great job yeah um kellen 985 had previously written a story called primogeniture which was about uh, the elvish perspective uh, over in their own lands and uh, this one was inspired by uh, a sort of world war ii french resistance uh, sort mm. of idea which i really really like that's a cool thing to to bring up but okay the next story is by no goodbye uh called spinner which is actually a marvel universe fan fiction which yes. i think we should be okay to talk about probably yeah i mean we're, we're fine yeah there's there's nothing really in this that is a spoiler whatsoever so no yeah it's it's a uh, pretty it's pretty original mm-hmm. um so we we open this this uh woman she's in line um with a bunch of other superheroes, because she's in costume, uh, and they're in line to basically get registered is kind of how we understand it, and uh, we kind of get kind of a overview of uh, how things are, are going here. A lot of people are, some people are in fancy costumes, most people are pretty generic, including her, and she, she admits that, and that she's actually a legacy cape. So we kind of understand that in this version of the Marvel Universe, supers can pass on their powers to new people uh, mm-hmm. eventually. And we don't really know uh, who she got her powers from from a bit until finally she gets to the front of the line and she's trying to get her paperwork. She's kind of awkward about it. Um, And (laughs) they ask her for her name and uh, she tells them uh, Spinner. And her last name is uh, Julius. Her her full name is Julia Spinner. So she accidentally gave them her last name. But it works because she has Spider-Man's powers. Um mm-hmm. even though so she she chooses not to call herself Spider-Woman because it's just like too like big of a name. She's yeah. taking on like the entire mantle. She's be like the sequel to Spider-Man and that's just too much pressure. So yeah. she's trying to sort of make her own thing. And so uh we kind of understand that there's uh, some like arena sort of tournament going on eventually uh, that she's registering for uh, kind of Im- the implication that this is the thing that she's preparing for. And um, but she has this moment of connection with the lady registering her where the lady uh, says that her niece was saved by Spider-Man in the past, the, the guy before her. Uh, and so, you know, she kind of has some some shoes to fill. Um, mm-hmm. And eventually she walks away. She's already regretting her, her name, um, but a bunch of other things. And uh, But she decides that eventually she's going to be telling her own story julia spinner's story spinner's story it's my name and it's a nice sound is how it finishes (laughs) yeah and honestly i i really like this uh fan fiction i uh know that the moment where we see all these other supers definitely reminds me of a moment within one punch man where uh he has to go to get registered and then there's just this slew of of uh, of uh, other heroes and some of them look like look like copycats some don't and i think that was very well uh portrayed in this story but i think overall there's this really strong sense of making your own path within this story uh, and it comes across very easily you know like uh, as as soon as we get more hints as to who Spinner is, we we kind of understand her her worry of filling these shoes. Like she has to fill shoes of one of the greatest superheroes ever. Yeah, right? it's it's a lot of uh, pressure because you know with great power comes you know some great responsibilities and that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it is. It is so <laughs> much pressure, uh, and. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was intended to be a joke and did not land. Okay. <laughs> I, I threw the ball. You just you just you just didn't see that I had thrown a ball and well, see, it, it landed like, somewhere. So you like threw the a ball and then I was like, is he throwing a ball? I don't know. Uh and yeah, also I'd say you, you just yeah. You hella cut out. 
so <laughs> oh okay 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 yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah I, it was a good joke don't worry thank you thank you i think there's some uh kind of fun irony here in or not irony i don't i don't know what to call this but that in the story right it's um spinner is putting her own take on spider-man that the person that came before her and here no goodbye is putting their own spin on 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 spider-woman um Mm -hmm. the the story that came before them so i think that's just an interesting little echo that that's extra textual that's fun yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so next story is by Kepos21, which which is named Questions That Plague Us. So we have this uh, pitiful mewling thing that is coughing up <laughs> this gobs of mucus. It's clearly, I mean, it does sound pretty pitiful as it's described to us. And this first question is, why? Why do I die? And then... Um, Big question. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a pretty uh, tough question, and especially because uh, that that I don't that will no, that's a pretty it's a pretty good question to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the creature's creator basically starts explaining to it that it will die for knowledge. It's going to die. It's going to fail, and then he's going to learn from that, or, or not he. Um, it's going to learn from that, and then take that knowledge and try to make a creature that lasts longer, and that process will continue and continue and continue until eventually something can sustain itself this gives the the creature hope that the the last one at the very least will will like live forever but no uh, no the creator talks about how eventually you know no one can no one can stop the death of the universe we are not beings of permanence life is fleeting and this great experience we call life it is not everlasting we work to make it as long and as positive as possible we seek joy in every day we seek knowledge we seek to put death as far away from us as possible but death is not something we can push away forever we fight the death that comes to our bodies and win then we only push but death as far back as the death of all death is inevitable child we can no more stop the death of the universe than that can stop the death of you and this is a sad truth that we must all learn so which is a which is a great ending there and basically mm-hmm. the uh creation uh, takes that in and thinks about it and the creator just kind of comforts it as uh, it passes or it gets closer to passing yeah. and so this is wonderful echoing sentiment and uh, kind of the the struggles of life I, I just really like how the word permanent was the focus here in a really mm-hmm. great way yeah definitely i i think the story is a great uh delving into this very huge philosophical question uh and i really did like the the back and forth between someone who who doesn't know everything and then this creature that doesn't know anything and I do like how this person who is in charge of this creature is a lot kinder than I than I've seen in uh, in other things, to where creatures like this are just thrown to the wayside, right? And I think really it's a great story that delves deeper and deeper into the sad troops of kind of living, right? So. Yeah, I don't know. I just I I really loved reading it, and I would recommend other people to to go and read it. It uh reminds me somewhat of the last question, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really great. Sure. Uh, so the last story we were talking about this week it's by It's All a Pill with safety, security, salvation. Uh, so here uh, we open with uh, some formatting that implies that this is some top secret document that some really government great has. Really formatting, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's really uh, cool. I really like just a tiny um, hints. Um, the rep number is uh, 9037-imminent-obv, which I took that as like imminent oblivion or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's actually what it was, but it was fun to interpret it that way either way. Uh, so, uh, in the year 2031, this, uh, message has been received by every, uh, government on the planet. It's this long speech from we, which is in brackets, basically, uh, every time that there is a first person, uh, pronoun, it's, uh, done in the plural. So it's mm-hmm. we or ourselves or us or our, 
basically it, it implies that there is some massive uh, civilization or entity or this sort of hive mind sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, that has watched a humanity rise and watched a bunch of other civilizations rise and it basically gives it's giving um it, it really likes humanity it sees you know them them uh, uh, struggling it sees us aching for knowledge and, and trying to make our world a better place even as we also struggle amongst ourselves and it sympathizes with us a lot uh and it really likes how what individuals do which is creating art and beauty and creating meaning and um, all these things even while they're kind of internally alone because they're not like this giant hive mind sort of thing so basically hive mind then starts offering just a, a couple of options to humanity one they can get directly involved and give all the technology and as many hands as you need to escape the societal drain uh the the secrets to forming what you would call utopia which we kind of sort of understand would be sort of like their civilization sort of mm-hmm. like a not many individuals but it would be basically a paradise and before they've like you know try to do a distant hand and, and help um, civilizations out but it inevitably fails without them being directly involved but they're basically giving uh, that option and uh, I mean to me that's a that's a pretty interesting question it's like yes of course I want to be uplifted and you know end suffering and all these things but also uh, it kind of feels unearned if we don't you know, achieve those things ourselves. Yeah. That's just a question that it brought up for me. It's not necessarily what the story is about. It gives um, humans the chance to use their individuality to make uh, the choice that fits with their morals, offering a helping hand to be free uh, from any of suffering by any individual that wants to can join this this hive mind and the rest of humanity will be helped out in you know a vaguer way and so all the governments have been given this message but if they don't disseminate it to the public everyone on earth will get the message the many will receive the message which is a nice little echo of like of course it cares about the many rather than the few mm-hmm. so uh, there's a, it ends here with uh, we will give you time to do what you must whether that be spreading the word or against a better judgment to fight all we want to do is help. It is all we have ever wanted. And we know that the U.S. is going to go in guns blazing, right? Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, but no, this 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 story is really, really cool. It's uh, this really great message that kind of encompasses a very alien view on all aspects of human life. And I really do like how it is very... It is very contrary to most other things that I've seen like that, to where in instead of trying to instill war, it's saying we can help you do do these things. We just need to, I guess, get the o uh, the okay, right? So yeah, and and I just really liked um, the subtle world world building that is really being done here. Uh, and I think overall, it's just a really great story that um, that gives humankind this choice, a, a choice that we've all kind of wished that could happen, that, that some foreign being can come and save us from ourselves, right? So, yeah, I just really liked it. Yeah, it's interesting because this is kind of like a strange echo of some... Um imaginings of uh well a lot of religions i was going to say christianity in heaven where you kind of like just join god as like like heaven is not like a material place where you just like walk around right it's uh, supposed to be something else well yeah. i mean it depends on your worldview of course there's many many interpretations um but it's interesting how this is kind of reflected in that where you know you lose yourself um but you join this greater thing and I mean, it's hard to say that you would be happier because you wouldn't be you anymore, right? But yeah. your existence would impact on your own existence, such as it, as it is, would be less negative, I guess. It's very complicated yeah. to, to say. So, I mean, after reading this, this story, I'm going to pose a question to you. Would you allow this uh, alien race or like whatever to aid you in in your own life to kind of start to build this utopia or do you feel that you will want to earn that i would i think i would take the utopia i think it's it's not worth the just just for pride's sake yeah Um, now the question of whether i would join the hive mind thing i think i would just like wait to the last second if possible really so you so you wouldn't want to be patched into a uh, hive mind 
I don't think I don't think right away. I think I would rather live most of my life and then at the very last moment just go ahead and patch me in. Yeah, to, when you're uh, like ninety five, rather, rather than death. Yeah, I yeah, see that. Exactly. I see that. Honestly, I would probably go along the exact same same line. Um, even though I know for for me, I'm I'm not going to say that I'm a very prideful person, but if I have the the opportunity to be a part of you. Topia, I would like to at least have to work at it, you know, like, mm-hmm. like what is what is the point of being in a perfect paradise if you didn't build it yourself, right? Um, mm-hmm. But you know, then again, pride is kind of what got us all here. So I don't know. <laughs> I uh, I think the the story by it's all uphill raises a lot of really great questions. So I would definitely mm-hmm. go in. Uh, I would definitely recommend people to go and read that. Yeah, I right. yeah, really enjoyed it. Well, all right, that is uh, that is the end of our listener sub submitted section. We do wish we could talk about all of them, but there's only so many minutes and so many seconds in a given day. But we do want to give a solid shout out to all of those who did write this week. So thank you very much to Zakatigi, Ace of Sword, Kalanero nine eight five. No goodbye. Ghost Pac-Man Four. Kippos Twenty One. Jarby Jazz. And it's all uphill. So we also want want to say thank you to everyone who did leave a comment. Leaving a comment not only helps you in finding something that you liked or something that you think could be improved upon in someone else's story, but also allows you to do the exact same thing in your own story. So thank you very much to Zakatigi, Ace of Sword. Jarby Jazz, Kalanero985, Ghost Pac-Man 4, No Goodbye, Kipos21, and It's All Appeal. Thank you very much for leaving comments. That's right. Uh, if you want to be like all these amazing people that wrote stories or, or left comments, the place to do that is slash r slash do the right thing on uh, reddit.com. Exactly. And if you want to know next week's words as soon as possible, well, first and foremost, just wait till the end of the podcast. We're going to tell you, you know, but if you uh, want a secondary place to go and see them and take them in. A place to, to get them before the episodes come out. Then you could go to our Twitter, which is at RightThingCast. That's right. And if you have anything you want to tell us or don't have a Reddit account and don't want to make one and you want to send in your story, the place to do that is our at our email, which is RightThingCast at gmail.com. And if you want to support us, you know, maybe uh, through really great comments and an uplifting uh, speeches or monetarily both work for me you can do that by going to the doof media patreon and donating a dollar or more per per month that's right and i i just want to mention at the five dollar level you get to uh participate in our monthly doof and chill sessions which i think this month uh, i think next week actually is or maybe this week when this episode comes out or pretty soon anyway coming up scott and I forget exactly. There's there's four of our of our Doof members, which at least Scott and Elise, uh, so you know it's going to be a good time. Are going to play a, f- a game of uh, Fiasco, which is Ooh. this really uh, delightful uh, role playing game where it's just a role playing aspect, no combat or whatever. So it's just basically like just really fun storytelling, and uh, I'm very excited to to uh, watch and and listen to it because. Um, I've listened to what to say, and I just know that the energy that Elise is going to bring to this uh, to, to the Doofin show is going to be really entertaining. So, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm very excited to, to watch it with everyone there. Most definitely. And Matthias, what's going on in Doof besides that wonderful Doofin show, of course? Uh, so much else. I mean, that was the thing that I had in mind. Uh, Decomposing Worm, uh, my other podcast, I should I should mention again, uh, is. Uh, I, I, we announced it um, in this last week's episode that we are actually switching to a bi-weekly schedule because it actually um, it was it was a lot. I, I had a plan originally, and it just uh, of how we were gonna you know do this with a with a reasonable amount of work per day, and then it just didn't we just didn't do it that way. So uh, <laughs> it ended up being a lot. So I, I mean, I'm glad that we uh, did most of it this way, even though it was pretty stressful, just because. Now the project is only going to be like four months rather than six. But yeah, so for these last, uh, I think like, yeah, about six episodes, um, maybe a little bit less, actually. I actually have no idea what episode we're on. Seven, seven and a half is what we did. 
because there's a bonus episode instead because our anyway it doesn't really matter uh if you check the feed if you check, if you check the last episode you'll 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 get me and clarence talking about it but um yeah so that's our big announcement on that podcast okay cool so matthias let me know what are next week's words uh next week's words are stir reverse belly and compound Mm. So we actually have a, a pretty good amount of, of variation here. So stir not is not really one of those. Although, so stir is to stir is the action of to uh, move a liquid around using yeah. some kind of um, object. I don't. I think that's the definition that you would use. And then someone can stir in their seat. Um, it can stir up some memories. Those are the ones that come up to me. You can stir the wheel. Um. No. No. <laughs> uh and then uh reverse uh which is to uh go in the opposite direction that you were just going in not a lot of variation here uh, mm-hmm. but it's a pretty versatile word uh belly the it's your belly i don't mm-hmm. the under your stomach area yeah underbelly the underbelly of belly. the criminal of, of the city the criminal underbelly of the world mm. um the belly of the beast mm-hmm. the someone could be named belly yeah. that that too <laughs> and uh compound which also we have a couple of options here so a compound is like a location that is mm-hmm. uh usually pretty locked locked down top um, secret sometimes and yeah top secret compound that kind of thing or a compound sentence or compound uh structure or a compound chemical, chemical. yeah um or yeah, there's a lot of things that can go in here. So I'm getting a lot of like uh, like chemistry or mm-hmm. um, like soup vibes or bats, <laughs> soup. that kind of thing. That's that that's that's uh, what I'm getting. Yeah. So Jarvis, using these words, uh, what story are you gonna write? So so next week I'm actually not gonna write a story. Uh, I am mm-hmm. actually going to start writing my cookbook. Yay! And the very uh-huh. first recipe will be for Spanish pork belly soup. All right. Okay. And it's Spanish because I add tapatio. Mmm. I'm thinking. Okay. So basically, the the recipe starts with a, a fat slab of pork belly. I'm talking about skin, fat, blood, the whole nine. Bam. And then you dump it into a fine soup of water and pork broth. Stir, and you stir it for like five minutes five seven minutes right and then after you've you've uh, stirred it the only way to truly infuse as much flavor into that pork fat is to counter stir to reverse your stirring and then you let it simmer for 20 to 2 to 30 to 30 minutes adding spices and my own special Jarvis sauce, which you know I, I can't tell you what's what's in it, but it sure does smell funky. All right, <laughs> and then you mix all that in, and what's the last word? Uh, <laughs> Reverse? No. Or compound? Yeah. So so then after you are mixing it in, nice and fine until until it should all simmer down and. About th- and about this time, a lot of that pork belly fat should have probably melted down into pure flavor. What you do? Uh huh. What you do then? You, this is just you're just describing cookies. <laughs> you add you go on. my very special, world famous salt, pepper, oregano compound seasoning, one that you can buy in most major stores, including Walmart, Target, Kroger. And Aldings, yes, Aldings, we got in there, all right. And then uh-huh. you mix, and then you mix that all up, and then you serve it over either rice or uh, noodles. I would not recommend noodles because it tastes different. So rice, mm-hmm. I would, I would recommend. And then mm-hmm. after you're done with mm-hmm. this delicious then- soup, you just have to eat it up and then uh, give me more money. Okay. That's great. That's really, that was thrilling, Jarvis. Yes, thank uh, you. Truly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I am now a, a bit a bit hungry, so oh, you, yeah. you did succeed in that. I'm starving. Uh, so, <laughs> um, in my my story, so this uh, this uh, patient, 
uh, went into uh, the doctor's office complaining about a uh, bellyache. And so the doctor, um, you know, took a look-see and uh, was like, wow, the inside of your stomach is um, really fucked up. And so uh, they decided uh, that the only way to solve this was to send us in as like you know like in a tiny submarine like in a really they're gonna shrink us down mm. in a tiny submarine you know classic we're gonna go down that gullet okay in our <laughs> tiny s- submarine so they're gonna shoot the shrink, shrink ray at us which shrinks us a little bit but the effect compounds and compounds and compounds until we're super super tiny and we can get swallowed on a pill and so we go down the gullet right we land in the stomach we've got acid resistant suits but they're not resistant enough we lose at least one person to the stomach acid but that it always goes that way um but our job here it's actually pretty clogged up in there uh we're just supposed to stir it up basically so we basically make the submarine go in a big uh circle and we stir up that stomach acid until like a funnel kind of forms and then we get sucked down into it and it's kind of a big deal um but uh we 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 overpower the the uh the flow <clears throat> And uh, reverse our direction Mm. and uh, basically rock it straight up. Um, But then we accidentally go the wrong direction and we punch out of the guy's throat. (laughs) And um, he uh, bleeds a lot. Um, And that's that's where we leave the story. I don't know if he dies. I kind of I clocked out. So, I mean, my job was done. So I kind of felt like. I don't really know. I, I don't really need to know what goes on after. I, my submarine thing is done. So wow. I mean, uh, honestly, yeah. So I left. That's a that's a really great story. It's kind of like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids meets Osmosis Jones. Yeah. I shot the kids. Yeah, Honey, I shot the kids. Yeah, it was it was yeah. The important part of the story is that you know after I'm all done and stuff, I was able to go home and do the right thing. Yeah, do the right thing. At home. With Osmosis At home. Jones. With Osmosis Jones. That movie fucked me up. Really? Why? <laughs>